Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub. Coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalso, and in today's broadcast, we will be continuing the in-depth Bible study taught by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalso. It is called Heavenly Authority. And when we left off, we were in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel at the point where Saul has been proclaimed to the people of Israel as their first king. Before we go into the study, let me take a moment to invite you to our Sunday service. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. And we would be so happy to have you join us for worship, prayer, the Lord's Supper, and Pastor Greg's teaching sermon. Now, let's go into the start of today's message. We'll pick up this morning the uh, study we're doing on heavenly authority by revisiting Saul and picking up where we left off last time. We saw last time the proclamation of the king at Mizpah in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And we read in verse 24 of 1 Samuel chapter 10, And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. And remember, Saul had been hiding by the baggage, and they bring him out, and he's a very tall, charismatic-looking man. And uh, Samuel points to him and says, uh, Do you see whom the Lord has chosen? The people are very impressed with him. Then we read in verse 25, Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty, and wrote it in a book, and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. The behavior of royalty. In the NIV it says, the regulations of the kingship. In the King James it says, the manner of the kingdom. The word here for behavior is a Hebrew word that means a verdict, a sentence, a decree. So it's a decree on the kingdom. And it's the same word used back in uh, chapter 8, verse 9, when the Lord uh, tells Samuel to show them the behavior, the behavior of the king who will reign over them. And then in verse 11 of chapter 8, it says uh, that Samuel told the people, and this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And it goes on to explain how harsh a king treats the people, and they've asked for this thing. So he's writing all the words there to let them know he's placed it before the Lord so that someday they can't say, well, why did God, why did God put this king over us? You know, they asked for the king, and Samuel told them ahead of time what a king would do, and now he's put it in writing. That's one of the things about the Bible that people don't like. God puts it in writing. He tells us what's going to happen if we do this, the results, the consequences. And obviously, as human beings, we don't want to know 
uh, the consequences of our actions. We don't want blame to be put upon us. And this book, you know, sometimes can blame us. It can tell us the truth of the circumstance. You do A, B happens. You know, you ask for a king. Well, this is what kings do to countries. And people dislike the Bible. They like the rosy passages of the Bible. You know, the nice sounding passages. But there's a lot of things in the Bible that are there to correct, rebuke, to put us on that narrow way where we're going off to kind of, you know, prod us back on the right path. And those are the parts of the Bible that uh, our human nature many times is not like, but God knows we need it. The, um, the other possibility, too, is remember we had studied uh, back several times how in Deuteronomy chapter 17, Moses told them, when you come into the land in verse 14, which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren. And then it gives the requirements from verse 14 to verse 20 of who the king can be. When God allows it, he has to be the one God has chosen from among your brothers, um, one that doesn't try to multiply horses onto himself and bring money onto himself or multiply wives onto himself but one that has a copy of the book right by the throne. Remember we studied that? Having a copy of the Word of God, and he has to read that and fear the Lord God and uh, serve the Lord and all the words of this law and these statutes that his heart might not be lifted above his brethren. So very likely Samuel also let them know what the decree was back from Moses about the kingship and that was placed before the Lord and it was written down. So he explains the behavior of royalty, writes it in a book, lays it up before the Lord. He sends all the people away, every man to his own house. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 26, And Saul also went home to Gibeah. Now Gibeah, remembers in Benjamin, it's the, it's the uh, birthplace of Saul. And valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. The word valiant there means a force, an army of, it can be wealth, it could be valor meaning virtue, or valiant and strong and virtuous. These are men whose hearts God had touched. Now these men, having seen God choose Saul, Remember we said the Urim and the Thummim were most likely the items that were used to select the tribes, to select the family, to select Saul. So it was a supernatural event. Perhaps one of the stones would glow to let them know the selection. And having seen the selection of Saul, they follow and they're touched in their hearts and they go with Saul. Yet Saul we know is a frail man. We're going to see the sins of Saul. So if they're touched in their hearts by God to follow this frail man, how much more should we be touched in our hearts and respond when the Holy Spirit calls us to follow the King who is sinless, the Lord Jesus Christ? And the question we ask this morning is, has God touched your heart to follow Jesus? It says in Psalm 110, the Messianic Psalm in Psalm 110, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till 
I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And we should remember this Messianic Psalm. We've studied parts of it in the past. And notice how it says in verse 3, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Your troops, it says in NIV, will be willing on the day of your battle. Volunteers, willing. Those whose hearts are touched and voluntarily of their free will respond to the king, respond to the Messiah, and follow him. Even as God has touched the hearts of these men to follow the king he's established, Saul, so God touches the hearts of those he foreknows. And we voluntarily, of free will, we follow our Lord and our Master, Jesus Christ. And has God touched your heart this morning? And if he has, follow Jesus and make him the king of your life. In verse 27, it says, But some rebels, this is back in 1 Samuel chapter 10, But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. So the people are responding and giving presents to Saul, and they're congratulating Saul. But there are some that are rebels, and the NIV will say troublemakers. The literal, and you'll see this in the King James, is children of Belial, which means children of worthlessness. Sometimes Belial is personified like Satan. And sometimes it'll be described as children of worthlessness, children without profit, wickedness, children of corruption. All that's encompassed in that word you read here in the New King James, rebel. Rebels against God, troublemakers, those that when the Lord wants to do something good, they go against his selection, they go against his choice, they rebel against it. And there are many troublemakers today. Notice they despise him. They said, how can this man save us? How is this one man going to save us? Now remember, the principle is that he doesn't save, but God saves, and God will use him as he used the judges. But how is he going to save us? And they despised him, and they really despised him without cause. And Saul hasn't done anything wrong at this point. For no reason, they despise him. And today, there are many troublemakers in our society who despise Jesus Christ. And they despise him as God's king. Why do we have to believe in Jesus? They'll ridicule him and speak against him. And they like to tell jokes about him. And for no reason, without cause, they despise him. And how can he save us? Why is this the way we have to be saved? How is this God's plan? And they despise him and they despise his father. How one man can cause such a reaction that he can soften the hearts of sinners and people can understand he's the good shepherd and run to him and be changed. And how others 
can rile against him and despise him and despise the fact that he is the chosen one that God has given for our salvation. He's done no evil to them, and yet they despise him. The reaction for good and for those that don't want the way of God, how obsessed they are with him and hatred. Jesus taught his disciples at the Last Supper in John chapter 15 and verse 18. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. We'll have to break from the sermon at this point. We believe these Bible study programs are of great value, as the scriptures tell us that the Lord's people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And so we would love to hear your comments and feedback. You can write to us at our post office box in Branford, Connecticut. That's Shi'ar Jashub, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And if the Lord puts it on your heart, please consider sending a donation to help continue this program on your station. All donations should be made out to Shi'ar Jashub, Christian Tabernacle. Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in Madison, Connecticut in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. The Memorial Hall is the yellow brick and white building adjacent to the green across from the James Madison Memorial. May our Lord Jesus bless you as you serve Him. And please remember to join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.